This is a big timing comedy production. Welcome backstage. Uh, I'm here to interview Black Sabbath. I'm a journalist. VIP only. Groupies sleep with rock stars because they want to be near someone famous. We're here because of the music. We are band-aids. Are you jumping or am I undermedicated? You're listening to Backstage Pass with Meredith Marks. I'm with the band, okay? Backstage Pass, and it's episode 11. I'm so excited for our next guest. He is one of the most talented and diverse writers and producers. He has had multiple platinum success writing and producing for artists such as One Direction, Fits in the Tantrums, Carol King, Gym Class Heroes, Katy Perry, and Daughtry. Uh, in 2008, Rolling Stone honored him as Hot List Producer of the Year Award. In 2012, he was the music producer for the second season of Steven Spielberg's NBC-produced series Smash, which I was a huge fan of, and I watched every single episode. I was really bummed when it didn't come back. Please welcome my buddy Sam Hollander. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> hey. Hey. We call this episode Lucky 11. <laughs> Mucky 11. I like it. You already named it. That's fantastic. Yep. So you're I was going to say Lucky 11, oh, but lucky. I like Mucky 11 better. Mucky <laughs> Okay, Lucky Eleven, got it. All right, Mucky Lucky, we're all good. Mucky, if you, it, you know, it, it's only a bit away from Mucky where I come from. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah, if you're you're live in LA right now, working in the studio with the plain white tees, can you give us a little tease to your plain white tees today? Um, I I can. Well, I'm working at uh, the Village Recorder. I'm speaking to you from the roof. Where, uh, where uh, uh, numerous thousands and thousands of records have been recorded. I'm actually, uh, I just walked past the Lady Gaga plaque, into the Rolling Stones plaque, into the Tom Petty plaque. It's, uh, there's an incredible history in this building, and uh, we are just, uh, we are uh, just about to uh, dig into a tune called "I'm So Sick of Love," and uh, something that we wrote a few months ago, and we're tracking here. And uh, I'm working with uh, Matt Squire. Uh, Maryland's own Matt Squire, an uh, incredible uh, yeah. producer I've collaborated with before. And uh, it's 102 degrees, so I'm sitting on a rooftop as I'm doing this interview, and, you know, I'm trying to sweat out some toxins as we speak. So uh, everything is uh, coming together for me in a beautiful way today. Okay, you know, we're going to talk about this. We're going to just get this out of the way. You and I are having a little Facebook battle right now. You're in this 100-degree yeah. heat in L.A., uh, you and I met through my brother. He's apparently your weather twin, which then makes you my brother. So that's cool. And he loves the hot. Like, like weird and awkward and wonderful. Right. It's like I'm interviewing my family yeah. member right now. It's exactly. interesting. Exactly. Um, uh, it's the genetic code. I, you know, I, I have to tell you something. Uh, you know, I lived in Manhattan, my, you know, childhood when I was very small. Then we moved to uh, lovely Westchester County. And then I uh, moved back to the city at 18. And uh, I, I thought I was a lifer. And then uh, the winter of 2010, I have this, uh, this visual embedded in my head of my child who was four, four at the time. We're 
standing on the corner of 10th and Broadway. It was about three degrees out, and the wind chill hit. And uh, the wind tunnel, this nice little wind tunnel effect right by Grace Church there. And uh, I turned around, and my daughter was kicking my knee with a very aggressive kick, um, sort of like a, a sweep-your-leg Johnny sort of karate kid kick to the knee from a four-year-old. It was repetitive. <laughs> And uh, I realized that we had jumped the shark on the New York experience, and uh, it was time to try something new. So as I sit up here uh, in this sweltering mayhem, I, I'm, I'm very happy about my choices. i got to tell you, I think this worked out for me. It's, uh, it's hot, but it's, uh, it, it's a glorious hot. It's you welcoming. Can, you can keep your hot. I'm sitting here in lovely Maryland in 50-degree weather in my Ugg boots and my sweater, and I'm very happy because it's sweater weather. Well, you know, I, 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 it sounds wonderful on paper. What I would tell you is uh, I enjoy an East Coast fall more than anyone, but and I do miss it. And then the rest, I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm okay with the, the sabbatical. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll be back. Maybe, maybe I'll be down the street. Anything's yeah. possible. Yeah. It's, Any- a fle- it's, a fle- it's a fleeting game. That's the beautiful thing about us is that we have all four seasons, and you and my brother just want to be stuck in the heat all year round. And that's cool. I can respect that, but uh, – I'm going to keep my Uggs and my fire pits. He's in Arizona. Arizona's like a level more punishing. (laughs) This is like an oven, man. He loves it, though. He does not want to ever leave. He's very content there. And and he listens to his Ambrosia records just like I do (laughs) in in our peaceful locale. It's funny. Ambrosia's coming on our show in December, so I'll tell them that you're a fan. Stop the bombing. Stop (laughs) the bombing. You know... I, I, I've met old boy from Ambrosia a few times. Um, he doesn't seem to remember me. We have to work on that. Oh, all right. I'll bring that up to Burley. Burley Drummond yeah. is coming on with Mary Harris. No, no, it's not Burley. Is it is Steve? Uh, David, David. David, David yes. Pat. David, yeah, yes. David, 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 you know, I've given David copious amounts of love. It hasn't come back, but it will. You know, it's one of the things you put it out there enough times, and it'll come back. I have a feeling we can make something work, you know? I'm kind All of right. like the musical matchmaker, you know? I, I call you a dream weaver <laughs> of epic proportions. <laughs> I make it happen. We'll see. Yeah. So tell yeah. me how you met yeah. my brother. Wasn't that through Mark McGrath? Well, well your, brother, your brother is uh, the tour manager of the, uh, of the, uh, the, the holiday supergroup Band of Merrymakers, of which I am a founder. And... Uh, uh, it, it was a brief tour. It was a four-day <laughs> tour. But I have to tell you, um, uh, it, you know, your brother's a very heavyweight tour manager, so it was incredible being in his uh, his uh, his domain for for four four lovely lovely dates around the tri-state area. But uh, yeah, no, I, I created a supergroup with my friend Kevin Griffin. Uh, we use the term supergroup because we're uh, just you know we're just trying to fight all our self-loathing tendencies by just propping us up internally. But we, uh, what we do is we make holiday music and uh, we do lots of sort of charitable stuff involved with uh, musicians on call and, and music cares, charities that are very close to us. And we just try to bring together our friends during the holidays, friends from different bands who uh, come in and we, uh, we do TV and, uh, and parades and all sorts of fun stuff. And it, it really is uh one of the, the most exciting things I've ever done, and it, it, it brings a little warmth to uh, these uh, increasingly dairy holiday seasons. So it's been, yeah, uh, you, you guys it's have, been neat. You've, but, got, you've got Lisa Loeb, you've got 
uh, Mark McGrath in there. Who else do you have in there? Yes, it, it's rotating. Um, at least we've had Lisa Loeb, Mark McGrath, and Tasha Bedingfield. We had uh, uh, Christina Perry joined us on the record. Uh, this year we're going to have American members of American Authors and Neon Trees again, and uh, we're going to have Kay from uh, Letters to Cleo, nice. who's uh, one of my favorite uh, favorite. Uh, and uh, just, we keep switching it up, and it's just about keeping it fresh and just bringing friends in and out, singing some holiday uh, classics and originals, and uh, just sort of enjoying every second. Last summer, uh, last last Christmas, we you know we've done the Today Show a bunch. We've done four performances on, on the Today Show, right. but we uh, our favorite gig is always the Hollywood Christmas Parade because it's right down the street. And last year we were sandwiched in between Olivia Newton-John and Cindy Lauper. And my upbringing just kisses me when I say that. It's just so <laughs> great, so good, you know. Dude, that is a nice so. sandwich right there. I would take that sandwich in a heartbeat. I have to tell you, a, 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 a glorious sandwich and so full of love on both sides. And it was. Uh, couldn't, but you know, I, I've I've actually I've written with Cindy before, many years ago. So it was great to reconnect with Cindy. But meeting Olivia was heavy. And oh, it's just iconic. Know, before uh, before uh, Cindy went on, War did a set. And I, you know, I adore War. They're one of my bigger influences. So I, uh, it's just every year it's an incredible parade. So we're going to be doing that on November 26th this year. Uh, they're going to announce it in a couple of days, and uh, I don't know, I think it's great. And it airs on the CW. And uh, the Hallmark Channel and all sorts of fun. Awesome. We are going to tune into that because we definitely want to see it. Yeah, you are. Yeah, we are. (laughs) Tell me um, about this songwriting process and how you came up with I Can Make Your Hands Clap. Yeah. Well, the songwriting uh, process is, uh, you know, what's funny is it's never – it never really duplicates itself. It always shifts on a dime. So it, it's based on, you know, it, it's one thing if I'm writing by myself in a room, and even then I can sort of a, approach things in 50 different ways, starting from either a title or a melody or a lyrics, drum beat or something that I've heard. And then, uh, you know, if I'm collaborating with someone else, we're bringing in all their skill sets and, and choices. So it's such a, uh, it's such a strange marriage of ideas. I'm a, I, I, I collaborate on the bulk of my stuff with artists, and every day it's like a game of speed dating <laughs> and we get in the room and, you know, if we're not familiar with each other and we, we sort of have to feel each other out and, and sort of uh, figure out where the, where our respective skill sets lie. And then we, 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 uh, we dig in. Fitz was somebody I met through the band of Merrymakers. So uh, Kevin Griffin brought him over and we met and instantly I felt like I was meeting a strange musical soulmate because uh, the same age, our influences, mirrored each other in very very nutty ways our, our even our our family backgrounds etc we just uh, there's a lot in common and uh he sang on our first uh, merrymaker single must be christmas and then uh we made a plan to connect and try writing for fits and the tantrums and he came in and uh you know the way i write is i uh I uh, I do tons of due diligence on an act, and then you know I tend to come in the room with two or three ideas that I'm just sort of feeling, or you know, lyric. I start lyric. I tend to start lyrically, and uh, I I heard this idea of I can make your hands clap, and uh, I don't know uh, where it came from. It was something I was in Cape Cod, and I started saying it to myself on the beach in Cape Cod at the end of the summer, and 
Fitz came in and he, he just started playing this this horn. He started sort of creating this horn riff that's sort of the bed of the song. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just started sort of screaming that chant. And uh, <laughs> we wrote the song in about 20 minutes and we finished. Wow. And I, you know, it, it was funny because we both knew that it was going to work. And that doesn't happen a lot. We, we pat ourselves on the back off and say, oh, this is going to connect, man, this is huge. But there was definitely something with that one where it, it hit on all these strange sort of, it, it, all these nerve endings where you just felt like, wow, there's something sort of uh, hard. It's, hard. it's hard to access exactly what the emotion was, but it just felt like it was special, like really special. It felt like it, it was different. It was, it, was an, it was a unique record and sort of a logical progression for the band, but a, a sort of a bold call. And you know, we, were, we were super stoked on it. And... We finished it, and then, I don't know, it, it started this, like, really intense relationship. He was over for about 40 days at my house, and we just wrote, you know, we wrote about 10 or 11 things, and we beat them into the ground, and four or five of them on the record, and it was just, I don't know, it was a, it was a wonderful period, and, you know, with a, I made an incredible friend out of it, which is even better, so it's been, it's, I mean, the song is, you know, I've never had really experienced anything like it. I mean, we're two years into it, and, you know, I, we... It just I hear it everywhere, and every day we get licenses. It just I think people really get to that. I mean, it is. T it took off like wildfire. Um, I've been a DJ for a really long time, and then you and I, we both have daughters, young daughters, and yeah. you know, so the kids come home and they're like, "Mommy, listen to this song," because you know, to be honest, um, you and I are kind of in the same age range, and we sometimes have to gather the newest things from our children because they I know, they I mean, know look, it it's first. Hard. We're 27 year olds, which is hard. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's I hard. love you, and, Sam. And we have children young, <laughs> so it, 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 it's tough. I get it. Totally get it. I was on the episode of Teen Mom that they cut out, you know, so. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that yes. was probably one well, of the, one of the classiest episodes. I don't know why they cut that out, but um, Yeah. You never well, know. that's so strange you say that because I was on Catfish last week um, <laughs> because my prom date, you know, was, uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's awful. So the, my twins came home and they said, uh, Mom, you've got to listen to this song. And they put it in and it was like, what is this? This is like crazy. And it's one of those songs where when you hear it, you just know it's going to be huge because it's one of those songs where commercials are going to use it. Movies are going to use it. And it's one of those songs that's going to last for many, many, many years used in so many different capacities. When you write a song like that and then it starts to spread. I mean, what's the feeling that you have when you see that when it's used in different capacities? Oh, I mean, it's really heavy, to be honest with you. It's, uh, you know, I grew up, I, you know, I, I was a radio kid. You know, I grew up and oh, I existed. Just, you know, I, I slept I slept with a, uh, uh, a transistor next to my head, and I'd wait for Casey Kasem to come on. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I used to keep copious lists and things like that, you know, and I was a real, I don't know, I was a real, like, geek. I, I really was into... I was into that 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 feeling when a, a song would come on for the first time, and I saw it in my head like it was my song. You know, I took ownership. And as a writer, it's been so trippy, you know, because I can 
on every song I've ever had on the radio, I still can, you know, access the moment when I heard it for the first time, where I was, and I remember the feeling in that wave. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, Boys Like Girls, Great Escape comes on, and I'm at Woodbury Commons Outlet, and I've been shopping all day at the outlets, and uh, I car wife, and Z100 says, this is Boys Like Girls with the Great Escape. And I started crying, you know. I hear that. So I, I just, with all these songs, when they become cultural moments, it's so intense. And some disappear quickly, and then some just, you know, some things I can't clap just live on to such an extent. You just can't believe it, you know. And, you know, clips of, uh, of the song at the World Series last night, you know, or... You know, and it's just, I don't know, it's nutty. And and it's global, which is even more exciting because you feel like you're really part of some sort of positive contact, and it's great. Absolutely, and a song like that coming out, you know, at times where we need positive lyrics and fun lyrics and, and not such heavy stuff, you know, it it brings a lightness to it that the world desperately needs, and it's, it's awesome. What a good I, feeling, I, huh? I, I certainly do. Right? Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. If we're so, talking about nice. if we're talking about lighter stuff, let's get into the the happiest place on earth and let's talk Disney yeah. because um you have had a little hand in in Disney. Um when I told my kids that I was having you on and I said, "Well, you know him because he's done stuff for Descendants and Teen Beach Movie and Austin and Allie and the kids are like their eyes are glazed over going Oh my gosh, because they can connect with you. I mean, talk to me about how it is writing for Disney movies. You know, it's, uh, it's the, the Disney experience is, is wonderful, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, once again, as a kid growing up, I always wanted to write TV and film. I, uh, I remember uh, the opening to Goodbye Girl, and it said uh, in the credits, the first time I remember sort of being cognizant of it, it said, you know, starring Richard Dreyfuss and, uh, and, uh, oh God, what's your name? Goodbye, Marsha Mason, uh, featuring the original song Goodbye Girl by David Gates from Bread. And I remember thinking, man, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. He's like a songwriter. He's credited at the front of the movie. So I don't know. There was, a, when we moved out here six years ago, I really, uh, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to create the world more than I had. And it's hard. It's a very, it's very strange out here. But the, a man at, at Disney Television named Steve Vincent's become a good friend, and he, he's, a, I love him because he, he really tries. He puts a ton of effort into it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Descendants. Uh, I, you know, I missed. I, I, I never wrote for High School Musical and, or Camp Rock, so I missed those moments. Right. And, you know, then I had a kid, and my kid, you know, my kid was three during Camp Rock, so she missed it. But then started getting into the whole Disney culture. And I thought to myself, oh man, like how great would it be for my kid to sort of see some of this through my world? So I, uh, I went for it and, uh, it was, uh, it was so neat. It was, it was really great. Tell know? me how she's taken so, to that. I mean, when, cause she, she knows what you do for a living. Um, but tell me how she can relate now to what daddy does because it's, of interest to her. No, it's either of interest or she's horrified. <laughs> Take your pick. 
I think, you know, it's funny. She really loves The Descendants. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she's definitely the kid who says, I really like that Uma song. I like the Uma song. Oh. Man, what you talking about? <laughs> you, like, you like Ways to Be Wicked. Oh, well, that other song's really good, Dad. <laughs> so, you know, she, she, she's like a tiny hater. But I, uh, no, it's, it's amazing. It brings, it, it's fun because we, like, you know, growing up, I, I had, inc- I, uh, you know, my parents are gone. And, but, you know, we were a super tight unit. But one thing I would say is my parents, Never really embraced that side of pop culture. So uh, I was sort of on an island by myself with, uh, you know, celebrating all this lunacy out here. So getting to live it and getting to live it with my kid who actually appreciates it as well. It's wonderful. And, you know, we'll be, uh, we'll actually be in the house of the mouse on uh, Monday. We're taking a day and uh, heading down so we can see the, the Halloween decorations at the park. So, you know, I just love it. It's so, it's so amazing experiencing awesome. all of it. That's awesome. So you you told me that your parents uh, didn't embrace that side. So when you were growing up, what were your parents exposing you to? Uh, art and culture and high art. And, uh, you know, my parents were uh, very intellectual and, you know, super just absolutely wonderful sort of intellectual, open, creative beings who let me be who I wanted to be. They just didn't really get it, but they they – supported every step of it so i was i was so blessed so i hope hope to do the same with my kids well it looks like you are because you're exposing her to so much um and you know having her see all of this is amazing uh, i mean my kids look my kids think you're amazing and they haven't even met yeah. you yet <laughs> the, you know what <laughs> have them have them uh, have them eat a meal with me they'll be less enthused okay i'm buying the plane tickets i'm shipping them out next week Done. okay <laughs> done, done. I'm a messy eater. It's pretty ugly. That's okay. So is Parker. She'll she'll be two peas in a pod with you. Um, Excellent. Tell me, uh, give give us a little bit of some inside scoop. What is some of the greatest studio stories that you can tell us, and and who were they with? Uh, of my own collaborating. Yeah. Uh, you know I. Uh, God, that's a great question. I, uh, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories is um, I was working with a band called We the Kings from uh, Bradenton, Florida, and uh, back then uh, they were they were known as Desoto, and they came to New York, and they slept outside of my studio door uh, that I shared with Dave Cass at Crush in New York, and uh, they were collaborating, and we had had a lot of success doing uh we had a, a bunch of pop punk records that were beginning to happen so these guys came from florida and they basically drove up in a van for the opportunity to work you know and mm-hmm. they were unsigned but they came up with the name DeSoto, and they loved their name DeSoto. and their name DeSoto, time if you looked on myspace there were 75 other DeSotos, you know so i told them look man you know i'm a big i'm a consultant. i believe in you know names and you know uh you know, uh, high concept, you know, sort of things that'll grab you. You need a much stronger name. They went off, they, they made a list of names, and they came at me with, you know, 200 of the worst names you've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, one of the list, one day I'm walking, I'm walking down Fifth Avenue, it's snowing, it's idyllic New York, I remember it well, and, uh, and uh, 
the singer calls me, uh, the guitar player calls me uh, panicked. He said, hey, man, so we picked the name, and we know you're going to kibosh it, but we really believe in this name, and we feel strong in me the hard sell before he even launches into it. I said, man, stop talking. Just give me the damn name. He said, we're going to be Check Yes Juliet. <laughs> and I said, so, okay, cool, cool. So your band is going to be called Check Yes Juliet. So that's going to age well, right? That's going to be one of those names that in 20 years they're going to say, hey, you know, it's you too, and, you know, you know, Bruce Springsteen, and Check Yes Juliet, you know, so... I, I just destroyed this name because I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, we we a week later, we settle on a name, We The Kings. Everyone's happy. We're all ecstatic. And we begin writing a song, but we just don't really have it. We have this incredible melody. We don't have anything else. So I, I walk out, walk outside in the cold, and I walk over to get a coffee at the old after place, which is long gone. And I'm standing in line at the mud truck. And I'm singing the melody, and I just start singing, Check Yes, Juliet, are you with me? Rain. And I jump off the lot, I run back to the studio, and I run through the room, and I just start screaming it with that same fire. It's like when you know you have it, you just mm-hmm. have it. And I, I just, it just, it hit. It's like when the words and the, and the melody sort of collide in the perfect sweet spot, you can't be denied. It's going to work. And we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, I gave them the cell, and they loved it because they got their name back. So uh, the song, uh, song ended up being the first single, and uh, it went platinum, and it was a big, big hit for me. And uh, I, uh, it's a song that I adore too, because it really, every time I hear it, I just, you know, I just, I get this little chuckle of the backstory. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, let me bring up two boys two guys, two men that uh, we adore in this state that you have worked with by the names of Benji and Joel Madden. Uh, Good Charlotte um, hails from Waldorf, Maryland. And tell us, yes, they do. Yes, they do. So tell, tell us a little bit for, for the people that are, that are here local to give them a little flavor and a little uh, homage to uh, our state's Good Charlotte well, band. You know, like I love those guys. Them? You know, it's funny. Uh, you can make a mental picture with every song. You know, I wrote one song on one Good Charlotte record. A song, uh, it went platinum in Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's funny about the song, it's called Sex on the Radio. And mm-hmm. I, I, I love that song. Me and, too. Uh, but my one memory of it, other than the fact that they're very, uh, they're both really sweet guys, super sweet. Actually, very understated, really, really sweet guys. But they pushed the session back four times in one day because, you know, man, those guys are, those guys, they sort of live the life out here. So I, I just remember we kept, you know, I, I didn't live out here at the time. So Dave Katz and I flew out to write with those cats. Yeah. So the, uh, you know, uh, my manager kept getting calls from their management, pushing back the session uh, every two hours. So first it was for an art installation and then it was, they had meetings and then they had a restaurant opening all these things in one night. Now we're in New York. This is another language to me. And uh, so when they got in the room, I, uh, I was dreading it, not because of them, but I thought to myself, Oh my God, we're going to do this session. We're going to finish at two in the morning. And then 
I'm going to be up in two hours with my screaming baby, you know, my child at the hotel. And we've got nowhere to go. My wife's not going to take one for the team and take that child outside (laughs) at four in the morning. No. So I just remember I I, I went into it thinking, God, this is going to be the toughest night ever. And then uh, those guys were amazing. We had such a such a rowdy little night. I remember we had some sushi beforehand. We wrote the song in about three hours. And then I just I I still could recall the drive back because they were flying down Olympic Boulevard. Um, and uh, those boys uh, have no fear of speed in their cars. Oh. And uh, I remember thinking, wow, this this movie could end real bad. But uh, we, we did fine. And uh, I have uh, I have a lot of love for those guys. I've seen them out socially. We've, we've written a few things since. They're, they're, they're wonderful, wonderful cats who, who haven't changed. They're still really sort of down-to-earth sweet cats. Yeah, we'll have to get them back to Maryland at some point because the people here miss them. Would love to see them. Spend yeah. a little time. Uh, tell us about, you know, first off, I just want to tell you, when I saw that you wrote for Carmen. Um, yes. You know, yes. Carmen, I don't know why they didn't take off even bigger than they than they were because I played them all the time when I would DJ parties. I love Carmen and I love the song acapella and it's funny because whenever I would get in my car and I would turn my car on it synced to my phone and that's the first song in my phone yeah so every time without fail the twins and I would get in the car and it's like it's funny because we would say oh there's acapella there's acapella every yeah. single time what was it like working I, with I Carmen? Actually, I actually infiltrated your phone. I didn't want to tell you, but I guess it's <laughs> out the open, so I do apologize for that. I, um, it's sort of like U2 into your, when U2 infiltrated your iTunes, yeah. I did the same thing to your phone. But, no, I, I don't know. You know, the Carmen thing is funny because I, uh, you know, just like Good Charlotte, it was one night. I, uh, my friend Martin Johnson was writing with them, and he had been with them for a few days, and... I guess they had hit a wall, and he called me and said, hey, man, you got any ideas Carmen? And I thought to myself, shit, what, what would I do with Car- Carmen? What, what, what would work? And then I, uh, I had spent the previous week doing a, a strange sort of a strange side gig of producing the opening for the MTV Movie Awards of that year, 2012, 13, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And the opening number was the cast of Pitch Perfect. Right. Mm. And uh, they were uh, we had them singing and rapping and doing all this crazy stuff. Well, the whole time I was with these people, there was a lot of talk, man. They were like, it was almost like, it was almost like uh, visiting a day camp or an overnight visiting an overnight camp that you didn't matriculate in, and they have a lot of inside jokes that you're not part of, and you're never really going to you're never going to work your way in so you sit on the outside as a spectator taking it all in and they were all very proud because their movie was such a gigantic hit and it's one of the first times they'd all been back together in a room and they must have said the word acapella two or three times and that word kept popping out to me and i started hearing i'm going to do it acapella and i heard that as a comedy about a relationship i thought oh it'd be kind of fun i'm going to do it solo acapella and so when Martin mentioned it, I thought about Carmen and I thought about, you know, coming up through the, the YouTube, uh, you know, breaking through the YouTube paradigm, the sort of the success that they had. And I thought, what a neat, 
maybe what a neat flip on it, mm-hmm. sort of something that's a skeletal and just sort of 808s and just very sort of like a weird primal song like that. And uh, once again, three hours, four hours, we wrote it. And uh, I didn't even know it would make the record. And then it was a single and then it hit. And then the band was gone. It was like, a, it was just a moment in time. And, it, you know, I uh, I got an email from from uh, Amy a while ago, but I don't know what they're up to. And uh, I would tell you, uh, Vera, she's a super talented girl and he's talented and they're they're just, they're very nice. So I, I'm rooting for them. I liked their style. I liked their harmonies together. I just thought they were really an interesting band. And yeah. it was really exciting to me when I when I looked at your roster there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Carmen's on there. I just was, you know, I was not expecting that. And I thought that was cool. I liked that you shouted it out. You know, it's the kind of song that will pop up when I'm in Whole Foods. <laughs> and I enjoy it. As I'm getting my salad bar concoction together, I always like, oh, Carmen, that was a fun one. Dude, I start, l- to, I start to sound like an 80-year-old in these things. Listen, when I'm shopping through Safeway, people need to watch out because I'm up and down the aisles, and they start putting on Frank Stallone. They go from Frank Stallone oh. to Basha. Now, Basha is one of my all-time favorite artists and when they play her, I'm walking around in the Frozen section singing at the top of my lungs, and people are like, do they actually, like, does she know this person? <laughs> it's a, by the way, I just, any time you can throw a Basha reference into a phone call, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Yes. You know, I, I will I will one-up your Basha with my, my love of Swing Out Sister, but oh, it, uh, it's all, it's all, uh, it's all cousins of the same jazzy joy. Oh, I love Swing Out Sister. What a great group. Mm. Yes. Oh, you and I, I'm telling you, you and I are two peas in a pod. Good uh, times. Tell, Good me, time. tell me about, we just lost Benson. You just put on Facebook about your story about Robert Guillaume. Um, I Who Have Nothing. Can you tell me about that meeting with him? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I want to add to that story is, you know, it, it was... Uh, you know, it was, um, it was very sad. It was very sad. Mm-hmm. I, um, that, uh, you know, that he passed. I, I didn't know politically, you know, you never know what the right thing to do is in these situations. What I would say is I never got a response when I sent the record and it broke my heart, Aww. but I didn't want to say that yesterday because it was too soon. Yeah. But maybe I can say it today. So I did, uh, I had this incredible hang with him. He was wonderful. And I FedExed him a record and, uh, I uh, I have a, a, a an incredible. Is it still too soon? It's probably a little too soon. It's not too soon. It's okay. He'll forgive yeah, you, know, you. You know what? All I, the way I look at it is my my letter was lost in the mail, and maybe he he uh, is sitting out there. And you know, it's one of the things that I'll find someday. But <laughs> no, I uh, I gave up my one and only copy of that single. I I used to spin all around the city as DJ, and I loved going into sort of a high kitsch set where I break out the Alfonso Ribeiro single into the Robert Guillaume single <laughs> into, you know, the John Travolta, you know, letter in singles and just you know, all my twelves of sort of, 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 of strange musical decisions. And, uh, you know, one of my favorites is uh, Ben Vereen. I, I, have, I have a great couple, uh, wonderful Ben Vereen twelve, but, uh, wait, let's you go know, back. Yeah, Are you telling me that Carlton Carlton did a single? Yes, when he was on Silver Spoons, yes, uh-huh. he did. So, 
Wow. Yeah, you can go deep on that. So uh, oh, when you, he was heralded as you the just next went Michael deep, Jackson, my friend. You really did. You just took it there. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I collect this sort of uh, musical, uh, musical bold, bold sort of uh, fodder. And uh, yeah, my uh, so I, I so I approached uh, Mr. Guillaume at this party because we were at a very small sort of gathering of tables, mm-hmm. and I uh, I uh, we we had a really lovely conversation. He's a very very sweet man, and I but he looked so sort of terrified when I approached him about the record. But I came to learn that he was it was a, it was it wasn't exasperation. He was just so overjoyed with the prospect of reconnecting with this slight bit of musical sort of uh, musical uh, goodness that he had completely forgotten about. Tell me who is your dream collaboration? Well, I, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say, why don't we have some fun with it? I'm going to say, I'd like to be in a room with Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins myself. Um, I can, probably make that happen you know people and i'm just saying that you know <laughs> i feel like the, the, those are my people purpose. those are the people Come I, on. Uh, are you gonna sing it know, with me I, are, you, are you gonna sing it with me right now matchmaker matchmaker make me yeah. a match <laughs> well done well done <laughs> you're quite the fiddler Good. and and you're on a roof yes yes Ooh. boom tricky <laughs> i like it i like it a lot Oi. <laughs> so Michael McDonald Boy. and and Kenny Boy. Loggins is a, is a dream collaboration. We might be able to make that happen. Who knows? Um, who else? Yep. Who else? You know, I, the uh, the reality at this point is, I really I would say I, I've worked with uh, I've worked with more people than I ever hoped to. I really was hoping that anybody would ever let me in the room. I never. Uh, I was an outsider always, so the fact that people started actually letting me crash the party was so wonderful in itself that, I don't know, I don't take any of this for granted, so I, I, I don't know what my wish list is other than I just, you know, I, I just love constantly uh, being thrown loops. I'm not, I'm not genre-specific, so I love dabbling in, in, in you know, in different art forms and, and, mm-hmm. and really trying to bring my thing to it and hope that we can create something great. I, I've, I've really worked in so many different styles. Because I just, I don't know, to me, song is king. So however you dress it up, that's a whole other battle. But I, uh, I just want to get the song right. So that's what brings me so much joy. So whoever I get thro- thrown in with, I, I kind of dig. And I, uh, I don't know at this point who, who uh, I don't know. I just, uh, t- tomorrow the phone will ring and hopefully uh, my manager, my publisher will say, hey, how about so-and-so? And it just strikes some crazy chord. And I think, oh, my God, I've always wanted to work with them for some reason. That's why I do it. That's awesome. Well, you're very humble, um, and, uh, and we've really enjoyed talking to you, and we can't wait to see what collaborations you do in the future. And uh, you can find... Me too. Let's can, keep it going. Let's keep it Don't going. Don't let it end. Don't let it end. <laughs> you can find out more at samhollandersongs.com, and he'll keep you posted on that website of all of his new it's stuff pretty, coming up. It's a pretty terrible website. No, like some, someone, someone's getting fired in, in, in my... Uh, <laughs> my organization oh no you know it's just over somebody somebody's done so (laughs) no but uh yes and or feel free to hit me on book as the kids say or uh instagram or anything else and uh heckle me uh with joy yeah he likes to be heckled facebook and twitter sam hollander live from la thank you so much buddy enjoy that rooftop and and please tell me 
Tell the plain white tees that we say hello and send our our best to them. All right, and and much love to the igloo back east. (laughs) We will enjoy it for you. Thanks, Sam. Okay, bye. Well, that was a fun chat that I just had with Sam Hollander on top of a Los Angeles rooftop at a recording studio where he is hanging out today with the Plain White Tees. Can't wait to see what projects they are concocting together. Well, we've come to the part of our podcast where we do a segment called Local Flavor, and it's where I take a Maryland band and highlight them on each episode. And tonight's Local Flavor is a Baltimore band who has released three albums and hit the Billboard mainstream rock radio chart three times with the singles Never Too Late, Face the Music, and You and Me. Silver Tongue's last single, You and Me, debuted at number one on the Billboard mainstream rock radio's most added list. It remained on the Billboard mainstream rock radio chart for nine consecutive weeks, peaking at number 27. Late August, the band received two Maryland Music Awards, Best Heavy Metal Band, and the top award of the evening, Breakout Artist of the Year. Their video for Dig has been viewed over 100,000 times the very first week of release. So here is Maryland band Silvertongue with Dig. It's Maryland. It's local. It's Baltimore. It's local flavor with Meredith Marks. Here it comes again. I'll take the pain and grin.
And that was Silver Tongue out of Baltimore with Dig. Thanks for coming on our show, guys. Can't wait to see what they bring our way as well. Well, we had such a fun night chatting about how you get song lyrics and what the recording uh, process is like and who Sam Hollander is hanging out with these days. And uh, we can't wait to bring you more. And we've got more. Next episode, we've got all the behind the scenes look at the Warner Theater in Washington, D.C., with the one and only Michael McDonald. Come on back. You've been hanging backstage with Backstage Pass and Meredith Marks. Now get your ass off the tour bus. This is a big-timing comedy production. Somebody save your soul because you've been sitting in the city.